correct. And I sort of prefer that to say I need a timeout because I need a timeout doesn't imply, I mean, you may be doing the same thing, but it doesn't imply any active working within yourself or with yourself. Mm, good point. Whereas if you say, I need to process this, you, there's an obvious implication that you're going to think about it. This week, Dr. Noelle Nelson joins us to discuss what the heck is a demand withdrawal pattern. And by the way, you should know that it is the most common pattern of conflict in marriage. Stay tuned. The whole mission of Hitched is to help couples enjoy their marriage and live happily ever after. That's one of the reasons we have the Hitched Wine Club. We wanted to offer something that would be a reminder every month for couples to sit down, reconnect, and enjoy the company of one another. We have partnered with the fantastic Touring and Tasting who hand select the wines that will be delivered to your door each month. You can go to our website, hitchedmag.com, click on the Wine Club link, and check out the different club options available to you. Again, visit hitchedmag.com and click the Wine Club link. Cheers. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the lovely, the brilliant, the talented Dr. Noelle Nelson. Hi, Noelle. Hi, Steve. Noelle is a relationship expert, a popular speaker in the U.S. and abroad, is the author of many, many best-selling books. Her most recent relationship book is Your Man is Wonderful uh, and Dangerous Relationships. Uh, Her most recent, recent book, however, is Happy, Healthy, Dead, which is a fantastic read. Uh, It basically explains how you can live all the way up to the very end in a, a vibrant, active manner. Uh, and it's backed by research, and it's and it's just fantastic. And so you can get more information at her website, noelnelson.com. And, of course, you can find links to this stuff at our website, hitchedmag.com. Okay, so, Noelle, uh, this week you have sent me a uh, topic, which I'm not quite sure about, but I'm really excited to find out about. Uh, you are uh, calling this the treacherous demand withdrawal pattern. And so, what, Correct. Uh, so the introduction here is... Uh, recent research shows that something called the demand withdrawal pattern is the most common pattern of conflict in marriage, or for that matter, any committed established romantic relationship, and that it does tremendous damage to the relationship. So, Noelle, what is the demand withdrawal pattern, and how does the research figure out the damage it does? Well, part of this we are actually already familiar with, Steve, because uh, Dr. John Gottman, who's kind of the granddaddy of um, laboratory research on why marriages succeed or fail, came up with what he called the four horsemen of the apocalypse of marriage. Mm -hmm. And the very first was criticism or complaining. And I think the third one was what he called stonewalling. Well, demand withdraw. What researchers have found out is if you take those two things in combination, in other words, if one partner is critical or complaining, which they call demanding, and the other partner is withdrawing, what Gottman used to call stonewalling, that is the potentially most dangerous dynamic for a marriage. Mm. So, we're, we're actually familiar with parts of this. It's just that this is the first time those two aspects have been put together to show us 
just how bad it can get. <laughs> mm-hmm. I say, and I'm 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 not laughing as in I'm this is funny. It's ironic, um, and it's really rather awful. Yeah. And the way they came to this is just fascinating to me. There's something in social science in general, and probably in the hard sciences as well, called a meta-analysis. What it means is, when there's been bunches and bunches and bunches of research done on any given topic, Mm -hmm. someone will come along, a scientist, and say, you know what, maybe we should take a look and see what these often hundreds of studies have in common. In other words, can we extract, if you will, some truth from all these studies? Mm -hmm. And that is essentially what they did. They reviewed 74 separate studies, which included over 14,000 people. So now you're looking at, if you will, a really good subject pool, as as we would call it, sciences. And what they—that's what came out of it, which is that the couples who had this demand withdrawal pattern had number one, the worst relationship satisfaction, the lowest intimacy, the worst communication, the highest anxiety and aggression levels, and ended up often with physical problems like all sorts of. Mm, dysfunctions from in the very intimate world to other less intimate worlds like, you know, your digestive tract and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, that is what makes this, finding this out so important. None of us want to go down that road, starting with none of us want a disastrous relationship. Duh, you're married, you certainly <laughs> want this to be life partner, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, that's that's how it came to pass. And what was the other really, really interesting finding is that each partner saw the other one as the problem. Of course. (laughs) What's fascinating is not, I mean, that's kind of like common sense, duh, right? Mm -hmm. Except that this actually comes out of of looking at studies of over 14,000 people. Yeah. So, it's not just us or me or whatever. Yeah. It's it's unfortunately very, very common is people look at the other as the problem. That um, – so, I'm going to bring this up and I hadn't intended on it. But um, as you know, Noel, I have recently co-authored a book that's coming out soon. Um, and I will share this information. Uh, it's unrelated to Hitched, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> it is rela- related to um, leadership and um, self-help and whatever. So, anyways, the only – I'm bringing this up because when you talked about um, people basically blaming the other person, um, one of the things mm-hmm. is – it's about a coach and the coach um, hadn't won a championship in several years and she contacted a sports psychologist and, or a performance psychologist and basically said, um, I, I have won all these championships, but I haven't won one in you know X number of years and I haven't won three in a row. And he was like, okay. And she finishes the conversation with saying, and I want to know if I'm the problem. And I interviewed him and he told me, and I've also spoken with a couple other psychologists and he told me I have never, and he talks to like major CEOs across the globe. And he was like, I've never had somebody approach me asking for help to see if they're the problem. They're always looking to see if there's a problem with the organization or their employees. It's never about them. And and she came at it and said, I want to know if I'm the problem. 
Um, so anyways, right. I just think to your point, you know, you have this 14,000 person sample size and the common pattern is, uh, they are blaming the other person. They think the other person is the problem. Right. It's that lack of right. uh, self-reflection. So anyways, um, that was a shameless plug, but also I think uh, an appropriate anecdote. <laughs> Oh, no, it's very appropriate, and I, and I agree that it's very rare. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, if both partners see the other as the problem, how can the pattern ever get undone? That is the question, isn't it? Okay, so the global answer is awareness. What you just referred to when you said self-reflection, self-awareness is the key. So let's start with, if you're the withdrawer. Okay, you're the one that backs off, stonewalls, gives the silent treatment. All of those are withdrawing behaviors. First of all, recognize what's going on within yourself when you do. What are you feeling? Now, this isn't easy necessarily or fun, but focus on what you're feeling. Are you feeling fear that you're going to do or say something that really messes things up? Or are you feeling depressed that this happened in the first place? Are you feeling out of your mind rage that you're just trying to damp down as best you can? What are you feeling at this point? Because feelings are what are goading, if you will, or creating the behavior of withdrawing. Mm -hmm. You're not just walking away calm as can be and whistling Dixie. That's not what's happening. <laughs> yeah. There's something really, you know, there's something inside yourself that's in a sense forcing or compelling you to withdraw. So the very first thing is to do your best to recognize what's going on within yourself. Okay, when you pull the withdrawing thing. Mm -hmm. This does not mean try to interact in a conversation with your beloved. That's not going to work. It does mean go away. That's what you need to do. That's what your, your, your push is, is to go away, and then, but then sit with yourself and try to figure out, what am I feeling? So can I interject then, really quick? Yes. So when you say going away, how is that to be done without um, coming off as stonewalling, which is hard? Really easy. Okay. Really easy, and I'm glad you mentioned that because it's, it's so easy, but it's, something, it's a step we forget a lot which is simply to say to your mate, I need to process this. I'm going to go in the other room for a few. Mm. Okay. The word process is very neutral. Uh -huh. It doesn't imply that you're wrong, they're wrong, anything. It's just, I need to process this. And stonewalling which is, is I'm sorry, I was just going to say that stonewalling, yeah. part of what makes it stonewalling is that you shut the conversation down. And, and so by Correct. announcing that you're going to process this, you're saying, I'm just going to ruminate on it. Basically, just Correct. on hold. Correct. And I sort of prefer that to say I need a timeout because I need a timeout doesn't imply, I mean, you may be doing the same thing, but it doesn't imply any active working within yourself or with yourself. Mm, good point. Whereas if you say, I need to process this, you there's an obvious implication that you're going to think about it. Mm -hmm. So you are keeping the lines of communication open, even if for the moment they're within yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes sense? Yep, absolutely. Okay. And then what you want to try to do, and, you know, we're so different in this regard. For some people, writing stuff down is really annoying. For other people, it's natural. But no matter what your bent is, you want to try writing down the key words for your uncomfortableness 
whatever it is. I'm terrified that I'm going to say something really stupid. Um, I hate that this is happening. I never thought our marriage would look like this. Um, you know, I, I, I knew this was going to happen, blah, blah. I mean, whatever the uncomfortableness is, write it down. Mm-hmm. At some point, go back to your, your mate and say, okay, I've had, I've had some time to process and I'd like to share some things with you. Is this a good time? I mean, here we go now to basic communication skills 101, uh-huh. right? But then you want to literally read off your list. This is why you write it down. You're not asking for a debate. Mm-hmm. You're not asking to be held anything. You just want to share literally your uncomfortableness. And once again, that's the opposite of stonewalling. Um, and when you discuss this stuff, do you discuss it in a manner in which you describe these things as how it makes you feel as opposed to what the other person's doing? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You say, this is, this is what drives me to shut up or shut down. Mm-hmm. I, I feel these things. I'm not blaming you for them. I'm, not, I'm just telling you what my, what's going on inside of me. Mm-hmm. You have to be that direct. And that's why I say this isn't necessarily easy. Yeah. Well, the thing about that too is when you go when you go about it that way, um, this is what uh, this is how I react and this is how I feel. They can't argue with how you feel. Correct. Okay. So that's I Correct. just wanted to make that point. Correct. And if they do, because some people will will blurt out, "Well, you shouldn't feel like that." Is <laughs> you can true. say, "I understand. I understand, but this is how I feel." Yeah. And you can even in, in other words, it, yeah. Yes. I was just going to say, and you can, um, I've actually been in the situation before and I try to, um, preempt it by saying something like, I understand that this might not seem rational, but that still doesn't get how I feel. Sure. So we all have different styles in, in how we communicate. The important parts to remember are a, these are your feelings. Your feelings are always legitimate for you. Mm-hmm. So, however you express that to your mate, because, you know, again, we all do it differently, that's something very important to keep in mind. And you're not going to be able to get past this and resolve it and get into a more beneficial pattern for your for your marriage if you can't start with expressing how you feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, what if you're the withdrawee, the one that gets hit with this uh, silent treatment or the withdrawal to process. Correct. Right. Now, this one is, is interesting because the withdrawee has actually been the one who's been criticizing, complaining, or demanding. Mm-hmm. It's not a passive role. <laughs> they often will feel like the instigator to the pattern. That's irrelevant. But what is relevant is, again, we're back to self-awareness, is take inventory on how were you different when you were courting. I will take money bets that anybody who currently criticizing, complaining, and demanding was not doing that in those first few blissful months. Mm-hmm. So you have to think back. Okay. Okay. How was I managing my own responses? When we were courting, because because always the issues may be bigger now, but the same quirks existed when you were courting. Mm. He did not turn into a slob overnight. Mm-hmm. 
He has been dropping his towel on the bathroom floor since you guys met. She has not been uh, suddenly erupting into buying shoes. She was buying shoes when you first met. Maybe not as many. Uh-huh. But do you see where I'm going with this? So can I... Which is that... Go yes, ahead. of course. Uh, so um, I, this is something I like to bring up. Uh, we know uh, through neuroscience that we have a lot of uh, chemicals flowing through us in those early phases that have us seen the, our partner with these rose-tinted glasses, as they say, um, where we mm-hmm. are able to block out... Um, or just overlook some of these things. So mm-hmm. to your point, like, yes, they haven't changed, but also to be fair to people, they, I mean, they just like, they honestly were not seeing those flaws in those early days. Um, they were overlooking them because they were just feeling so darn good based on the, the cocktails that were flowing through their body naturally. So, like, uh, oh, do let me go on my favorite rant. Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> it's called appreciation. Okay. In other words, the reason all those good feels uh-huh. were flowing chemically through your body is that what you were noticing, what permitted you to overlook some of the other stuff, you were noticing all the things you liked, all the things you appreciated. Mm-hmm. So when I say, how are you different than when you were courting? Is Start looking for, actively looking for the things you like about your mate. Mm-hmm. There's got to be some or else you wouldn't be married. Mm-hmm. And, in, and now amp those within yourself, within yourself. You know, I love the way he takes my hand whenever we cross the street. It may seem simple, but I guarantee if you spend another 15 or 20 minutes thinking about that one, you'll feel a lot better. You know, it's such a good point, too, because when you're in the early phases of the relationship, you are looking for every single sign you could possibly grab onto that they're into you, that that Correct. Has, that for, that ensures you and gives you comfort that there is a real lasting connection there. And so, yes, you would focus on the handholding. You would focus on the little smile that they gave you and, you know, all that yes, stuff. So, anyways. The fact that they pour your coffee first. Yeah. I mean, it's little tiny things, but the reason you had all those chemicals, those good feel, the endorphins running through your body, isn't just Mm willy-nilly. It's not nature just zapping you. What it is, is your active attention to stuff you liked. That was the signal to your your brain to release those chemicals. Sorry to get all sciencey on you, but that is how it works. No, and I love that. Yeah. Let's go back to that. Yeah. And I was going to say that this is also the reason why when you look at research and you find that not just being married has benefits, being happily married has all the benefits. And it's because you are able to continue some of those good cocktails going through your body because you continue to express gratitude for your partner for 50, 60, 80, 100 years. (laughs) Correct. No, correct. So, you know, the opposite of criticizing is is obviously appreciating. The op- the opposite of complaining is problem solving. Mm-hmm. The opposite of demanding is also problem solving. Now, those are, are on the positive end of the spectrum. So, they will not they do not push the partner to withdraw, stonewall, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 
but there's more <laughs> because <laughs> because I'm more than a one trick pony here. Uh-huh. Um, what you want to do if you're the one that tends to complain, criticize, and demand is try communicating in non-threatening environments about non-issues because what may have happened over time is you've stopped communicating about sort of normal stuff and the only time you really communicate is when you have something to bitch about. Mm-hmm. So then you become perceived as what? A nagger, all right? Or mm-hmm. something like that. Instead is when you're in a non-threatening environment, for example, you're driving in the car to go to something, a movie or whatever, or you know, you're, you're on your way to see some friends. But you're, you're not in a threatening environment. There's, there's nothing going on. Basically, okay? And then try just just generally opening up a non-issue. Like, gee, I'm kind of looking forward to this movie. What do you know about the actor? Mm -hmm. Blah, blah. You're going to the friends. You know, we haven't seen Sally and Bob in a while. Do you know what's going on with their kids? In other words, start again, like you used to when you were courting, communicating about what I will call nothing. Mm -hmm. So that you start creating a pattern of comfortable communicating because that's what you've drifted off of. You're no longer communicating about easy stuff, nonsense in a yeah. sense. I don't mean silly stuff. I mean, basically irrelevant, who cares? Yeah, yeah. And all you're ever communicating about now is you didn't take the garbage out. You didn't do this. Why won't you do that? You don't make enough money, whatever. Yeah. So you need I, to go through so the that's a, Seinfeld process. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it's easiest when you're not doing it face-to-face, oddly enough. Yeah. It's easiest when you're not sitting across the restaurant table from each other and you, and you start sort of – because then it feels like – it can feel like an attack. Mm-hmm. So, it's easiest to practice this stuff when you're basically side-by-side. Side. Yeah. Don't ask me why. Just know that works. No. I mean, you – I mean, I, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you uh, – one of the things that you learn as a kid, don't stare an eye or stare a dog directly in the eyes because oh, you don't know point. if it's going to <laughs> back down or attack you. And that's, Correct. I just feel like the same people are the same way. You don't just sit across from them because they're going to fight or flight, uh, you know? Yeah. That's a that very, very good point. Yeah. No, no, that's a very good point. Yes. People do feel on the spot. Yeah. When, when you stare at them. Um, so, and, Men more than women, even. Mm. Um, so side side by side is great. Yeah, taking a walk together. Yeah, driving in the car together. In the grocery store together. Doesn't matter. Side mm-hmm. by side. Yeah, I yeah. love that, and and I can see how it would help build even just the comfort level of engaging in a conversation, knowing that you're safe to express yourself without being attacked, particularly if that's become a pattern or a habit in your relationship. Exactly. Well, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about when it's become a pattern because mm-hmm. it is perfectly normal and unavoidable that at some point in your marriage, somebody's going to criticize and somebody's going to, you know, go, oh, leave me alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to happen. But that, that, that in and of itself isn't the issue. The issue is when it becomes a pattern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay, so then beyond self-awareness, which uh, we've been talking about here, is there anything else couples can do? Well, yes. And, you know, this, this is sort of basic, but we tend to forget it, especially in long-term relationships, is, for heaven's sakes, find activities that are mutually interesting. 
to both of you and engage in them. You know, it's get communication going on other levels than the spoken word, just on, on sharing something, so a hobby. This, yeah, yeah, so is this um, part of this just being able, just like you mentioned this like Seinfeld conversation, you know, talk about nothing. Um, yeah. Is this uh, finding common ground to help reconnect? Is that what we're... Is that the yes. Yeah. Because here's the thing. People withdraw and because they're avoiding a subject or a behavior and it gets interpreted as if they are withdrawing from the spouse entirely. Mm. Okay? So, if over time, if one doesn't address that, then they are withdrawing from the spouse entirely. But that's not usually how it starts. So, the, the key is to nip it in the bud, is to find stuff that you, common ground, stuff that you can do together that you both enjoy, that you're not going to bitch at each other for mm-hmm. I don't know kayaking whatever yeah. bicycling physical stuff is great because you you bypass the verbal which mm-hmm. is where you're stuck at this point oh that's a great point yeah yeah and and when you do get back to the verbal you now have something new and neutral to, to talk about where you have hopefully good, good memories and thoughts and ideas uh, and, and so more of a connection yeah, yeah. We forget people connect. We connect. We're we're physical beings. We connect on a physical level, um, at least as much, if not more, than we do on a verbal level. And I don't mean just in the bedroom. Sure. Yeah. Doing things physically together, washing the dishes together. Somebody washes, somebody dries, whatever. I mean, doing things together. Um, and sports is great because in and of itself, sports tends to kick those endorphins in. So we're mm-hmm. back to the chemistry. Uh, you know, this actually, when you're talking about the side-by-side conversation and also being active, this this actually reminds me of something I've read a lot about um, when you talk about the great minds of history. Um, Leonardo da Vinci, I believe Socrates, Steve Jobs, they all would go on these walks with people and philosophize or um, brainstorm. And it was through that side-by-side Again, the the not the face to face, but the side by side conversation, um, the physical activity. It's like it's all these things wrapped up into one, and they were just naturally doing it, and they saw the benefits of yes. stuff. So it's like it's really interesting how anecdotally you can look back and see if we're doing one of these meta studies of all these like brilliant minds had just like naturally right. gravitated toward those habits. Right. Right. And um, it's you know it's just. It reminds us that we are physical, mental, emotional beings. We're not not just one or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is this is fantastic, Noel. Was there anything else? Um, I know I've I've jumped in here a couple times. Was there anything else that you wanted to mention that uh, you haven't yet? No, just to remember that. You know, you got married for wonderful, wonderful reasons. Go back and look at those because they will inspire you to have the strength and the courage to overcome whatever pattern may be in your way. Yeah, that's great advice. I love that. Um, and with that, we will call this a podcast. Um, and so before uh, before we log off here, I want to remind everyone that you have been listening to Dr. Noel Nelson 
who is a relationship expert, popular speaker in the U.S. and abroad, is the author of many, many best-selling books. Her most recent relationship books are Your Man is Wonderful and Dangerous Relationships. Her uh, most recent book, however, is Happy Healthy Dead. Uh, You can get this information at her website, noellenelson.com. She also uh, runs a... um, community on social media called meet the amazings and uh it's kind of piggybacking off of the uh happy healthy dead book where it tells stories of uh really amazing individuals who are in their 60s 70s 80s maybe not even 60s that might be too young 70s 80s it is too young yeah a (laughs) hundred plus uh doing like these really fantastic things starting things uh in, in those late later stages of life and living these happy, active lifestyles and just doing really cool stuff. So I highly recommend you follow. You can find it on Facebook. Um, uh, and I know basically everybody's got a Facebook account these days. Uh, so check that out. Um, and of course, you can get uh, this information at our website, hitchmag.com. And because I brought it up, I feel like I should mention the book that I co-authored is called Life is Short, Don't Wait to Dance. Uh, it will be out in October. So I don't know when this is going to air, but, um, uh, you know, check it out. I, it's, I'm really proud of it. I think um, there's tons of lessons and advice in there that will benefit everybody. Um, so, and of course, uh, hitchedmag.com. Uh, for just thousands of articles on relationships, uh, our, our entire podcast archive, and I do highly recommend subscribing to our newsletter. It is, I think, the most convenient way to get uh, or to stay up to date on uh, the marriage relationship advice lifestyle stuff that we publish. It's free and it goes out once a week. So um, if you aren't already a subscriber, I recommend you do that there. So um, that is going to do us. So thank you so much for your time, Noelle. I love having these conversations with you. (laughs) Thank you, Steve. All right, everybody, that is going to do it. Until next time, take care. Right.